talk about. Uh, we'll take some questions at the end of the uh, show. We haven't been doing that the last few days because we had three people and we had a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, and uh, a minor trade, a waiver claim this uh, this morning, which was a little surprising, but uh, Russ, start us off with some pre-show. Okay, so let's talk about the World Series. It started last night and again, and this is something that's been happening a little bit more in Major League Baseball this year. But it's not like it's never happened before. George Springer hits a ball in the outfield. He's watching it. Hits off the wall. He only gets a double. The team's down by two runs. It's late in the game. Here's the thing about that play. Yeah, he Cadillaced it. He definitely did. He, oh, no. There's no question. He slowed himself down by four or five seconds, maybe more. So he probably could have gotten a triple just by normally legging it out, right? Just by gutting it out of the box. Probably. Because he's got good speed. And you never know what's going to happen after that. Could be a throw, an overthrow, tying run comes in. Could be a wild pitch on the next batter. Right. Then the tying run comes in. But he took away all of that by Cadillacing that. And I, I have to tell you, if I was the manager, I know he's an important player. I wouldn't have him start the game. I really wouldn't. I'd be like, you know what? We're in the World Series. If you went and threw a 162-game season and playoff games right. to play like that, then we don't need you. Yeah, I mean, okay. And, and I would pinch hit him or something. Yeah, the Astros are an extremely intelligent, sorry, in, in baseball-wise, and ex analytically run and extremely, extremely talented. They are also extremely full of themselves, arrogant, and a group of, I'll use another, I'll hesitate to use the other word that begins with the letter A. Mm -hmm. um, and it came out during the Yankee series. And I know I'm a Yankee fan. So, you know, if you want to consider my opinion biased, but go ahead. When Carlos Correa hits a home run to win the game in game two and holds his hand up to his ear. If we were talking 10 years ago, that ear would have been taken off by a 95 on our fastball. Sure. That's not part. That's not part of the game anymore. So, uh, and if, if a pitcher did it, he probably gets suspended for 10 games. So it's taken out of the game, but, I think that their arrogance runs uh, as well into the way that they play. They, that was definitely a Cadillac. Um, yep. I, I think that you know Altuve in the with the game-winning home run, there was a little bit of that showmanship. Now they won a series there, so I can yeah, I, you can give them a little bit more slack for that. Right, you're right. But it's the it's the and you know I'm, I'm, <laughs> sure, I, I'm sure I won't I won't get any earn any friends. Uh, in Toronto from this. This is all stemming and all coming after the Jose Batista bat flip. That yep. And there's nobody more arrogant in terms of a baseball player than Jose Batista in his prime. And it, I, I think that that, you know, may, and maybe even Major League Baseball wants that kind of showmanship to happen now because they see the flamboyance of the NBA uh, end zone celebrations in the NFL, and they say, "Okay, there must be something there, so we'll 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 let our players do that. We won't find them as much. We won't, uh, you know, hold them accountable like, but based on the, the old baseball rules." And but this is what you get: you get guys like Gary Sanchez not hustling down the first baseline on a ground ball, and you get a guy that ball. I, I saw the hit. Adam Eaton was in right field. He climbed the wall. He missed it by about a foot. If Springer was hustling out of the box, you're right. He probably probably uh, gets the third. And I think it was one out at that point. It was and one out. And the other guy wasn't tagging up because he didn't know what to do. But if he saw Springer coming, he would have to go. Right. And I believe the next hit, the next ball hit was a fly out to Robles in center field. So, and they couldn't advance. So that cost him a tie ball game. Yeah. So, Hey, yeah, just flamboyance is one thing. Bad baseball is another. I don't think Major League Baseball wants bad baseball. No. And they can't do anything about it. This is up to the managers. The managers have very little power these days, but they do have the power to get their players to hustle. And you know what? That's a, that's a consideration when you're setting the starting lineup, when you're the manager and saying, you know what? I don't care what the analytics department says. I don't care what anything says. I'm sitting him down. Because I don't want this to happen again in the World Series. That's what I would do. Yeah, and I'm telling you something right now. When both teams in the World Series are teams with dominant starting pitching staffs, yeah. I don't know if Major League Baseball is as much of a copycat league as the NHL is, but you would think that it would you know, put a little thing in somebody's mind that, hmm, 
Dominant starting pitching World Series. Hmm, Yankees, uh, Tampa Bay, Oakland. These are the teams that are going with bullpen by committee, uh, openers, um, emphasizing this the depth and strength of their bullpen. Having a strong bullpen is fine. Kansas City won a world championship in 2015 that way. But they also had they had starters that went further. And you know, I think Cueto was one of their starters, and he, yep. went, he went deep in a couple games. You know, you cannot you cannot have teams that are strictly reliant on their bullpen. And both of these teams, I mean, the opening the opening of the of this series was Scherzer versus Cole. And now game two is Strasburg versus Verlander. Yeah, I mean that that's that's an amazing matchup right there. The Cardinals or the Yankees, the two teams that lost in the in the AL and NLCS, have no starter that can match up with any one of those four. This is a tale as old as time, and I think what teams have decided to do is use analytics to talk themselves out of paying a starting pitcher what they're worth. I really do think that that's the case because end of the day. You either have to draft these guys or you have to get them on the open market. When you draft them, you don't get their rights for a fair amount of time. And then like in the case of Cole, maybe he does become a free agent. Maybe they re-sign him. We don't know. But in the end, but in the end, you walk into the World Series, you need at least two dominant starters, possibly three, but at least because Arizona did it with two, but yeah. those two were pretty exceptional. So you they got away with it. And that was, you know. And what did, and what did Washington do yesterday? They used their game three starter in relief for an inning because their bullpen stinks. Yeah. Their, bull, their bullpen stinks, and they and they have to do that. But you know, already you see in the New York papers, and this is tra- this is translatable to teams that are rebuilding, like the Blue Jays for our Toronto uh, viewers. You know, they haven't invested. They've invested in all these young great hitters, and I think they're all great: Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero. Problem is, is that they have no starters and they have nobody even close to those guys in terms of level of prospects in their in their pitching prospects. So it's going to be a long slog for for the for the Blue Jays to get back. And with the Yankees, they're already doing the spin even before Cashman and and uh, and uh, Aaron Boone have their end of the season pressers uh, tomorrow. They're already spinning. Well, Debbie Garcia, our twenty year old phenom pitcher, he could be the ant. I mean, come on. It, right. The Yankee fans don't want to hear that, honestly, and I don't blame them. I would just say it like this. These days, you can't have – even if you have a really good bullpen, you can't have lousy starters and great hitting. You're not going to get to the playoffs that way. Simply because you might score six, seven runs every couple of games. You might average four runs a game, but your 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 starters will give up more than that and your bullpen will get burnt out because guys can't go past three, four innings. It's a simple equation, but I guess a lot of teams still want to fight it with, you know, either analytics or just justification. All right, let's get started. Uh, Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We had a bunch of games last night. We'll talk about all of them. There were 10 games on the schedule. We'll we'll probably just mention a few of them, uh, but talk about a lot of them in detail. Um, Let's start with the red-hot Buffalo Sabres uh, earning a 4-3 overtime victory uh, over the uh, over the San Jose Sharks last night in Buffalo, um, Eichel scores the overtime winner. Um, it was the, the Sabers come back from a two nothing deficit, tie the game, take the lead. I think it was Eric Carlson tied the game, uh, or at least he assisted on it. Uh, no, Carlson got the goal uh, to tie the game, and then uh, Eichel in overtime. Uh, after the game, Logan Couture, who's the Sharks captain. Read the riot act, you know, apparently talked to the team and then went, uh, you know, went to the media after the game and said, because uh, Kevin LeBanc and Timo Meyer were caught out for over a minute in overtime, right? And was respond that was the, the play that was sort of responsible for the uh, for the loss. And he said, you know, that's selfish and that can't happen. And I right. think that shows good leadership, but we look at the situation where. Buffalo has only lost one in regulation, and San Jose has played better since Marlowe came back and has sort of righted the ship. But you're up to nothing. Those are games that you probably should win. And can we also talk about Casey Middlestat? Because yes. for as much as he was maligned last year, again, he's only 20. 
He worked out a lot last year. He got stronger. He's got seven points in 10 games. Yeah. He's flying out there now. Yeah, he's playing a lot better. Okay. I, think one of the, I think one of the reasons why, Russ, is that they've taken a little bit of the weight off of him. They played Johansson at second-line center. He's right. playing against third-line matchups. So that that's helps. right, yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. So, you know, good for the Sabres. It's probably still not sustainable at this rate, but yeah. we know that. Right, and and, that, and that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I believe they're 8-1-1. One, and one. All yeah, I've heard some people in Buffalo uh, bark against that, even in – even, even in my own phone conversations. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I know. I, think I don't want to hear it right now. I, 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 think, I think I'm related to somebody like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but this is the thing. It's like, okay, if this was a one-off, you could think this might be for real. The Sabres, you know, they, they could be this good. You know, they made some changes in the summer. Okay, you know, maybe this is the time that the cha the changes happen. In the wake of the 10-game winning streak, and I know it was a different coach, and I know that there are some different players, I can't buy into it yet. Uh, I, you know, there are, are they a better team than they were last year? Yes. Darlene's a year older. Uh, Eichel is, you know, is playing great. They, they, they Olsen is a young scorer. Um, you know, they added Johansson. They added VC. I mean, they're they're a deeper team, and they have Kruger, and Kruger might be pressing the right buttons where Phil Housley didn't. But again, right now they're getting great goaltending out of Hutton and Allmark, and I think that's a basically an average to below average pairing. Yeah, they played good defense in front of them. That might be an a, a, a uh, might have an effect mm -hmm. uh, if the goaltending coach, who was the goaltender coach in. In, uh, in Carolina last year as a factor. Maybe they squeeze more juice out of the lemon of Hutton and Allmark than they people think. Those are all possibilities, but it's an 82-game season, and we're talking about 10 games. Yep, totally true. Okay. Um, and for the math majors, that's like one-eighth of the season. Right. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> it's you know, it's 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 a significant window, but it's not the whole picture. Um Florida Panthers beat the Pittsburgh Penguins four to two. Dennis Malgan, Huberto, Blue, uh, um, Noah Chari, and Frank Petrano, a lot of ex uh, Bruins there, uh, with the uh, with the goals. Brian Boyle earned a third star in the game, and I believe that was his first first uh, start as a Florida Panther. Thanks for showing up. Just for showing up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, it's like Florida right now. Uh, the perception out there is that they've been a little bit of a disappointment, but right now, again, I know the season is only 10, nine, 10 games old. They're in a playoff spot. They're four, two, and three. So they're not doing yeah. as badly as some people thought they were doing. Well, they've done better lately though. That's the thing. They've, they've picked it up lately. I, I just don't know what to feel about this team. I, I think Boyle helps them. I think it helps the way that Quenville wants to play. So I think that's a big deal. But, you know, Noah Chari was a good pickup. No question about it. Frankie Vitrano, okay. I mean, you know, he's not going to score all year. No, but uh, they, they. I think he scored 20 goals last year, and they signed him to an extension, so they have confidence in him. I know they do. I know. We'll see if that wasn't an aberration. He's a decent player. Don't get me wrong. He's got decent speed, too. Um, we'll see. But, I mean, I look at the other teams, and I'm like, it's, it's really hard to take Florida this seriously this early. They still have a minus three differential, but they're four, two, and three in their last 10 because that's all we have to go by. Uh, you know, right now it's, it's going all right. They're rebounding, but they've still given up more goals than they've scored, so it worries me. And Pittsburgh is six and four right now, mostly without Malkin. I still haven't heard any kind of um, – indication of how long they think he's going to be out. I know they said weeks, but there hasn't yeah. been, you know, whether it's four to six weeks or six to eight or it is miraculous there. It really is. Yeah. I mean, this would kill most team seasons. It would. Right. And, it, and again, it wasn't just him. It was him. It was Bukestad. It was Russ. Yep. And now, you know, they're, they're still in the race again. It's only one eighth of the season, but and the people who want to kill Mike Sullivan. He's keeping them together. So yeah. Um, okay, let's touch, on, let's touch on the Rangers game here. Three to two, Arizona beats the Rangers in overtime. 
35 shots for the Arizona Coyotes, only 19 for the Rangers. Um, you know, Rad, uh, excuse me, not Radic Dvorak, Christian Dvorak with the yeah. with the game winner in overtime. Uh, did you see a lot of this? Uh, a fair amount. I, this was a game where, and I was happy for Dvorak because he does have a great shot. Uh, this this was a game, and Tony D'Angelo had both goals, which is nice for him because again, he really can can sniff out a play. Like his, his first goal was on a play that Panarin, I think, made the shot, and and there was a terrific save by Kemper. And D'Angelo followed it up like a forward and put it in. Right. That's good. And, and his skating can get him there, you know. So that was a big play. And then his other play was a nice play as well. They That's a nice boost for them. The The bad part is, is they're getting outshot to what they give up in shots is is bad. I was looking at a list that they had, and it's it's one of the worst in the league. So what I'm getting at is they're not very good at shot suppression. They're, they're not very good at clearing out the crease area. There's yeah. a guy, Lindy Ruff, who's in charge of all that. He's been in charge of it for a couple of years. I don't know what he's doing. I don't. Yeah, two, four, and one in their first seven games. Um, only 19 goals scored, only 25 goals against. So the goals against is not like they don't have good goaltending. Georgiev was doing all he could. But when you're getting point-blank shots and tantalizing shots, there's only so much a guy can do. Yeah, and Arizona with that victory is 5-2-1, and one, and Darcy Kemper has allowed two goals or less in 13 consecutive starts, which is miraculous. Uh, yeah, and a Coyotes record, obviously. But um, so we'll up, but that's you know that's what they need to have happen to really push them over the top this year. Competitive. Hold on, but that's. That's what I think they really need to have happen. It's going to have to be something pronounced like that for them to be able to do it. But I just I, I look at I look at the Ranger team and they're they're doing the wrong thing with Liz Anderson. They are, and and that's starting to rub some people the wrong way because if this is like an extended rebuild, you know, how many kids are in your lineup at the moment? I mean, Howden's young, okay. Who else? Greg McKegg's in there, Ryan Strom's in there. Kako's in there. So, you know, Kako Anderson, maybe you want to count Howden, but Anderson played seven minutes and 34 seconds. It's disgusting. Yeah, and I, and I said it before. I, I, I get the feeling that the emphasis of the Rangers really changed from developmental and all these young guys with the signing of Panarin, with the trade for Truba, and all of a sudden it became a now team instead of – a, a team that was on the cusp, but still had you know some ways to go for their young guys to really be contributors, and I think that's that's a problem. And by the way, uh, I'm I'm watching uh, the Michael K show yesterday on uh, during the afternoon, and they cut away and they did a preview of you know the Rangers, uh, you know playing the Coyotes, and they said uh, Rangers coach Pat Quinn. Oh. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing I'll say about the Ranger game is Kako only played 951, but he did get an assist. And I do think I'm okay with his low ice right now because I saw some glitches with him. I don't think those glitches really exist as much with Anderson, but in the role you have him in, that's all he's going to be able to play. And I'm not saying he should be a second-line center. I'm not. But I'm just saying you got to find him some more ice time or send him down. Right. Yeah. I mean, with these young guys, even the ones who are top picks or second picks, I, th I think these organizations are a little fearful. Oh, this guy's a bust. If you send him down to the minors, no. It's like, I, I, I know. I mean, I, you want to hear something odd? When do you ever see a guy who only has 734 play two and a half minutes on, on the penalty kill? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I'll, I'll bring up a point I heard from somebody. And I know that, okay, line A came right from the Finnish league into the NHL and had no problem. Pugliarvi came from the Finnish league and struggled. Right. It's, it's, it's basically up to the individual. It's, yeah. not, it's not like, you know, I, and somebody else was making the point when Jack Hughes was having their struggle, with his struggles, was that nobody has come in directly 
from the USHL, from the uh, from the U.S. National Development Program, directly into the NHL. Like Austin Matthews went to went to Switzerland, and other other players went to college for a year, but nobody went directly. And maybe that was a maybe that was an indicator that you know he needed that extra time or. He needed to play against tougher competition before he got to the NHL. All, all those points are valid, but it's basically up to the individual. Are you telling me that if if Austin Matthews went to the Elver, the uh, Everett Silvertips or went to Boston College or whatever college he would have gone to, he would have been a better player if instead of playing in Switzerland? I I, I don't know. I don't think so. Or I want to bring up something now. It's going to be a little bit of a lightning rod of a subject, but it's something that we have to broach. So it's announced today that uh, Brian Elliott will play in goal for the next Flyers game. I knew if he won, he was going to play. I said it to the person I sit next to in, in Philly, right? That's a no-brainer. But then after that, what happens if he wins again? So I could go back to the Chuck Fletcher interview that we had during the summer on our Stick to Hockey podcast that he basically said it's going to be a 52-30 breakdown. I don't know which one's going to be fifty-two, and I don't know which one's going to be thirty. So he's really, he's really, he's really sticking his neck out there. No, but I mean, I, he also said that because he knew he had a second-year goalie. Sure. And if Elliot reels off five, six wins in a row, he's going to keep playing. Sure. They're not going to play Carter Hart because he, he, he. Fletcher knows what Carter Hart is, and Elliot is learning. He's learning what Carter Hart is. It's different. And, and Elliot has always been a streaky goaltender. I mean, and he's always been a streaky goaltender. So I remember going to ride the wave with him. I remember one year in St. Louis, he was basically the all-star goalie at the halfway point. Yeah. And then, then he started. And the same thing with Calgary. He had a streak where he started. I think he started bad in Calgary. And then yeah. he he was great, like, down the stretch or something like that. So he can get hot. But this now, is – He won't play back-to-backs, obviously. But yeah. they could ride the wave with him for a little while. It wouldn't shock me. Because Hart didn't get off to a great start, and that is what it is. Like you, you know, fans can't get upset because their future great goalie is going to miss some games. He'll right. do other things. He'll he'll learn. He'll mentally prepare. It's not going to hurt him. People who think that's going to hurt his confidence, it's not going to hurt his confidence. Uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks beat the Detroit Red Wings, who had a two nothing lead going into the third period. Five unanswered goals by the Canucks. Bo Horvath with uh, the hat trick, five two victory for the Canucks. Hat trick in that period. In that period, yeah, Which is amazing. Yeah, uh, I mean Vancouver right okay. now. Let's bring it up again. Horvath contract, Heishier contract. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I again. I. I don't. I. I. I and it's nothing against the players. I'll add an extra million to it. I yeah. will. I'll give, I'll give Heeshear an extra million for the inflation because this was two years ago for Horvat. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I like Heeshear as a player. But I said to somebody in Toronto on Monday, the Heeshear contract makes the Nylander contract look good because at yeah. least at least the Nylander contract, he had, he had scored 60 points twice before they gave it to him. Heeshear, yeah. I think he had 48. 47 and 52, something like that. Yeah, I mean, so he didn't put the numbers up, and they, and I think, and we'll find out at the end of the years if this is the case. I think because they know that Taylor Hall is probably gone, that they had to lock up the guy who they picked number one to say, okay, well, he's our, he's the guy we're building around because we're not going to be able to build around Taylor Hall because he doesn't want to stay here. Right. Right. Um, okay, held off on this one long enough. We have to talk about the. The longtime rivalry, the arch rival, Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs uh, playing last night at TD Garden, second of back-to-back games. Uh, Bruins win four to two. Now I'll say this to start off with: Michael Hutchinson was not responsible for this loss. Michael Hutchinson actually no, but he did. He did do something that I talked about. Yeah, when the backup goalie gives up that first goal. That's not great. If he does it, it does affect the team for a while. And you know, it's not. It wasn't a good look. You could say it was a great shot by Pasternak, but he had it stopped, and then it bled through. And even even Pasternak didn't know it was going in until he pointed at it because it was just dribbling over the line. But they but they 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 came back from that, and then in the and then in the late second and early third period, he played really well. We made a couple great saves, one on Anders Bjork, which was phenomenal, um, and a couple other ones. But in the end, 
Uh, the Leafs lose. Uh, uh, Brett Ritchie gets a goal in the third period on a broken yeah, yeah. Freddie Gauthier did what, what every coach now preaches against, and he threw up that blind pass along the wall. Yeah. They stop it. It goes to a player. Bing, bang, boom. It's in. Right, and then they get the insurance goal later in the third. Um, I knew that was coming, right? Like, I know that, you know, you probably tend to think on the negative side first, which I get, but you kind of knew that was coming because as they were breaking down the ice, there was an awful lot of room out there. The funny thing is, is that I expected the Leafs to lose this game, but they lost for the reason, the different re different reasons than I thought that right. they were going to lose. If it was the goaltending, then that was refuted because they, because Hutchinson played well. Even right. even Babcock said, you know, it would be nice for us to get one for him because he he kept us in the game. He made the saves he needed to make. The problem is, and this has been present now for the first, uh, I think now eleven games, is that, and you can't say that they're not performing at all because one of them, uh, who I'll mention in a second, leads the team in goals. But right now, the main reason that the Leafs are struggling and they're 5-4-2 and two in their first 11 games is that Mitch Marner is not Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews is not Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews played terrible defensively yesterday, um, and he went head-to-head -head that line. They put Marner and Matthews, which, is, which everybody has been crying for for two years, three years, yeah. together because Tavares is out and they put them head to head against Bergeron, Pasternak and Marchand. And maybe it's not something that is a shame that, uh, that they lose that battle since that line is one of the best lines in the league, but they didn't show up. They lost that battle. The Leafs lost the game, pure and simple. Well, they're not playing their best players. They're not because I think Spezza could be one of their best extra players and they're not playing them. Uh, I don't think Gauthier is playing great. Games that I've seen him, I really, I'm not overly impressed. And Babcock talks him like, like, so, like if he could adopt him as a son, I think he would. That's 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 right. the level of uh, plaudits that he gives ready to go. I think actually Gauthier has I gotta tell you, with, with Tavares out and Spezza not being used, clearly they're underutilizing Spezza, right? But here's a, another thing. Why wouldn't you call up Jeremy Bracco and get a look now? He's a point of game. Even if you have to put him on the fourth line, just to see if he can spark your offense because he's he's been he's a proven AHL scorer at this point, right? Can yeah. we say that? Yeah. yeah. So why I not give him a look? I, I well, I mean, I agree. I think they should have done that previously, maybe even last year when he was leading the AHL in scoring. Right now, yeah. I think I think if they would call somebody up, it'd probably be Igor Korshkov, who scored I think five goals uh, in the in five or five or six games. Now, but but the thing is that right now, and I, I I'll mention it because I know the Eck reported something regarding uh, the potential Leaf interest in Jonathan Quick. Um, I'll shoot that down right now. The Leafs simply do not have the cap space. Um, they, their moves over the next week with Travis Dermott coming back and Zach Hyman probably in the next week or two are extremely limited. They will probably have to, when those two guys come back, they will have to send down four players to clear the cap space. And they'll, and, they'll, and they'll be at 20 at 21 players more than likely. They cannot trade for quick even if the Kings retained 50%, unless they traded an equal salary, and there's nobody really equal, there would be over. The, it'd be a three. It'd be a three million dollar cap hit to clear for quick, and that would mean trading a three for one. I guess they could do a three for one to clear the money. Right. I mean, it would mean trading a Kapanen or a Janssen who make three million dollars, or a Kerfoot, which is not Janssen great right after that. Or three or three one million dollar players and that, that you know that's that's not going to happen but but um well did you say Janssen played well yeah i thought he played well i saw well, ships where he played well well i mean but it's i funny. didn't watch the whole game though yeah no it's funny though because he took two penalties he took one penalty they score a power play goal he on the face off following the penalty he gets a roughing call and they put he goes right back in the box and this is after babcock had basically read the riot act to the team about taking chintzy penalties he did the exact the exact thing. The, the, the best players yesterday for the Leafs were their third liners, were Kerfoot, Mikhaev, Kapanen. Um, See, I, I look at Janssen, and I didn't know that that happened. 
But his, he was skating well, and he was in the play. I mean, he's yeah. got seven points in 11 games. I mean, that's – Oh, no. he's. I that, mean, he's scoring because he's playing with Matthews and he's playing with Nylander, and he's a talented player. But this is a team, Russ, and, and, and I know Lee fans know this, after a, changing a third of their roster, and that's traumatic, and that's something that contributes to the – you know, the ability to sort of like know your, know your teammate and be in the right place in the right time. The problem is, is that they still, after all this, cannot play defense. The, 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 the roster defensively, not their blue line. Their blue line is actually better. It's the team. It's the overall yeah. team defense. They're thinking offensively. They're trying to, you know, I don't know if they're doing the stretch passes anymore, but it's definitely an offensive mindset and the defense will take care of itself. And how, and, and how does that manifest itself after 11 games? They're the highest scoring team in the NHL with, I think 38 or no, now it's 40 goals and they've given up the most goals in the NHL. So if you want to be one and 31, that's not going to, they may get you in the playoffs, but it's not going to get you far in the playoffs. The last thing that I noticed was when they pulled the goalie now, of course, you know, Barry broke a stick. That can happen to anybody. But they were they were just not ready to play with the extra attacker. They were doing fancy drop passes. Matthews did not look good playing along the wall. He barely looked engaged. Like, they, they didn't even have any fight in them when they had the extra attacker. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh, I Well, they had a power play with three minutes to go in the third period, and I've never seen a more dead pie. I think it was because yeah. they're, they're, their main players who they're playing more were dead tired at the end of two that games. And, and okay, Washington uh, has 41 goals. The Leafs were leading the league uh, with 40 goals uh, at some point last night, and they were leading it going into last night. But they have 40 goals, second in the NHL, and they have a goal differential of plus one. That's not that's just not acceptable. And this team will not win until they learn that they have to play at both ends of the ice. And that doesn't mean in the playoffs. It means every single freaking game. And they they continue to not want to play that way. And maybe yeah. the roster isn't constructed that way because we know that Kyle Dubas decided he wanted to have a all skill team. I don't think Babcock, you know, I know that he had uh, he had history in Detroit playing with a mostly skilled team. They did have players who would provide a little sandpaper. Oh, Holmstrom's and they, yeah. had, they had some of those guys. And and this team really doesn't – they have, you know, Zach Hyman who's out. They have a a Janssen who will push back. Muzzin will hit. But there's not much there. The star players, they don't push back. And until – I'm not saying Matthews has got to go out and beat somebody up. No, I mean he has injury problems enough that you don't want him to get too – too into that. No, but but being a big body, he's got to assert himself a little more. I'm not saying check. I'm not saying go. Uh, I'm going to fast forward five years from now. You're going to start giving him the Matt Sundin rap, aren't you? If five years from now he's playing like this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, come on, Mike. Yeah. If I, 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 I have, I'm not saying he's got to go out and be a goon. I just, he's got to, Russ, on Monday night, he got out-muscled by Pierre-Luc Dubois on a goal. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a physical specimen. So is Matthews. Not to that degree. If you see Dubois in the locker room, you would be like, oh, my God, this guy is a fitness freak, and he is a lot stronger than Austin Matthews. Charlie. And Matthews purports to want to be the next Kopitar or Taves. If that's the case. Yeah, but that takes years in the making, years. So we'll fast forward. Kopitar doesn't fight or push. I'm not saying fight. I'm not saying fight. I'm saying I'm saying be tough on the puck. I'm saying steal pucks away. I'm saying being better defensively. He's right now he's more he's an offense first guy, and he he pays lip service to playing better defense playing defensively, and he's not good defensively right now. You'll you'll trade him off your stratomatic team. No, no, I I can't get him. They won't trade him. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, a couple other games. Uh, Predators beat the Ducks six to one. You know, seems to be a little bit of a uh, correction here for Anaheim. They're now six and four, 12 points. Uh, Nashville continues to surprise in terms of the offense that they're generating. Um, you know, they have 38 goals for their five, three, and one. You know, they're getting a lot of offense from uh, uh, from Matt Duchesne. 
Um, and you know, I mean, this is a different national team. We usually, I mean, but this is not, this is not unusual for a Laviolette team. He likes wide open offense. No, that's true. And you know, they, they have some injuries too. So they had to switch things up a little bit. And look, I mean, I don't think Laviolette's going to get fired, right? Everybody who was thinking that because, Hey, it's, it's getting to that point and, Renee's getting to that point, and and I haven't even picked on UC Saros and his 854 save percentage. I haven't, uh, but they've done a good job because of their centers. They really have. Their centers are carrying them through this. You know, Roman Yossi is definitely helping. Guys like Arvidsson are helping. Uh, the fact that he went with Rocco Grimaldi again and Grimaldi got a goal. Grimaldi is a very fast, useful player. Maybe you don't play him every game, but there's definitely a role for him, and I'm, I'm happy to see that Laviolette's finding that. That's probably going to be his Harry Z for this year. This is a good sign for them, actually. It is. And Rene is having a heck of a year. Like, Pekka Rene is not done. He is not. No, and, and but they'll need Saros to play probably 25 to 30 games. Yeah, he's got he's to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. 3-0 um, Minnesota Wild over the Edmonton Oilers. Second time in a row that the Oilers have been shut out. Uh, three goals from Eric Stahl, Eric Stahl, and Brad Hunt within a span of a little over six, a little over five minutes in the first period. Um, no response, literally, from the Oilers after that. Only 25 shots on Alex Stalock, who gets the shutout. Uh, again, can this be the correction that we are starting to expect from the Oilers? This is what I've been saying. They've got top-end talent, Dreisaitl, McDavid. Not, not that this is any kind of great revelation. If they don't produce, if they get shut down, even if they get limited, this team loses because they have nothing else. They have, you know, James Neal scoring nine goals is, is all fine and, and good, but he's supplemental secondary offense that comes from McDavid and Dreisaitl. They have right. a good forward in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. After that, who are you scared of on this Edmonton Oilers team? Nobody. Nobody. And, and you know, Devin Dubnik was having a heck of a game, and I think he sustained a concussion. Alex Stalock came in, didn't miss a beat. So, I mean, this is a game where McDavid was a minus. He, um, he only had two shots on goal. Like, that seems like impossible for Connor McDavid to go through a game with two shots on goal, right? So, so there's that. And then let's see, Dreisaitl, one shot on goal. Like, and look, Minnesota does have a pretty good defense, but this is what happens when Dave Tippett takes over your team. Guys who want to shoot eight, nine times a game can't always shoot eight, nine times a game because they have to play this lockdown defense. So they held them and they only lost three, nothing, but they didn't get any offense going. They didn't. They had, uh, 25 25 shots on goal. Yeah. 25 shots on goal. Yeah. Um LA Kings beat the Winnipeg Jets 3 to 2. Um Kings have sort of bounced back a little bit. I think they're yep. now close to 500. I'm just looking at their record. I think I think they were 4 and 6 going into the game. Now they're four, they were they were 3 and 5 now they're 4 and 5. Um I but they're still going to have a rough year, but they they have pride and that's what you're seeing right now. Yeah, and and they do have they still have some good players. I mean, Kopitar gets the winning goal in the third period. Um, there has to be some concern about the Jets. I know that I think that everybody expected the Jets, you know, going into the season with all their injuries, to have some problems. Uh, they're now under five hundred, and the defense obviously is a concern to the point that this morning they put in a waiver claim on Lucas Spiza. Who, yeah. who Anaheim was had to put on waivers. I think that they were going to send him down to uh, to San Diego uh, because they had, they'd had a slew of injuries and then probably call him up because he has some NHL experience and played in the league last year. But Winnipeg is so desperate for defense right now that they claimed him, and we still haven't heard anything about Buffalo, so we don't know where that is going. That's true. I, I don't think Buffalo's coming back. I don't. Yeah, I mean, we we really haven't heard anything in the last couple of weeks. The last thing we heard was, I think it was Pierre LeBrun that reported that it looked encouraging that the, the efforts to talk him into coming back were working. But, you know, that, that says a lot that they have to 
convince him to come back. You know, I mean, you'd think he'd want to come back. Well, but- I mean, it, uh, I can't go that far because he may already have decided, I don't really want to. And if guys are just trying to get him to come back, it's a pointless conversation. And he probably is listening just because he likes those guys. But, you know, you can't talk somebody into something they don't want to do when they've been doing it their whole life and they've decided, I've had enough. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, and uh, I didn't see the waiver wire. No funky uh, cold Zadina just uh, put it in the chat about uh, Erickson. I don't believe I, – I would think we would have heard if he had oh, gotten – we would have heard. Then nobody, yeah. nobody was going to take that contract. Um, and But the thing is that yesterday there was some confusion and there, there was no – I mean, unless there was a termination of the contract where he's going to Europe. Right. There's no buyout right now. There's no buyout window. Right. The they gain is that they could send him down to Grand Rapids and maybe he would play there and get himself back into shape. But I know there was an injury that kept him out all year. It's really unknown what's going on. So, um, but I, I, I just don't think he's a. I mean, last year I didn't think he was an NHL defenseman. He's he's big, but he's slow, and now he's had some injury problems. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure where the future, what what uh, path. The future is for Erickson. Uh, to- I do want to say this: the the ice time really did tell a story for um, for Winnipeg because Wheeler had twenty two minutes, Shifley had twenty three. Yeah. You know they're, they're playing it a lot like the Edmonton Oilers now, and they never used to. Yeah, uh, apparently, a stuttering guitarist in the chat says they're that they're waiting for him to report to Grand Rapids. If he doesn't report, then they can. Suspend- He's not going to report. I don't think. Yeah, then they can suspend him, and then you know, then his money comes off the cap. But they're really not up against the cap, and that's. I mean, no, they, they're not. They got a lot of dead money. Remember, they have like they have about ten million dollars in dead money from from the Branson and the uh, Zetterberg contract. Yeah. So, you know, they they might be, they might be a team that takes on one of those guys, takes on an LTIR guy, or takes on yeah. salary to get young assets back. They also. Yeah could trade one of those guys to a team looking to open up cap space like next year, maybe like a team like Toronto. Um, <laughs> two other games, uh, Capitals beat the Flames 5-3. Uh, we'll touch on the latest one, Russ, because I know you wanted to talk about the Black. Actually, I want to talk, talk, yeah. talk about the Capitals game. Go ahead. Because, again, John Carlson is up to 20 points, man. Yeah. 20 points. Yeah, but I, I know that. In a month. I know, I know. I don't know. I think you mentioned it yesterday, but I know somebody else said that you know twenty point or you know he's leading the league in scoring. That means he's going to be in the running for the Norris Trophy. We know what the Norris Trophy is like in terms of he also blocked shots, so that's not fair. Either. Right, but I'm saying that we know what the Norris Trophy voting is like for guys who are offensive defensemen. It's tough for them. Now I think he's more than that. And and was he was he like fifth or sixth in the voting last year or something like that? He was up yeah. there. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if it's a guy like – and I'll use Mike Green as an example in the past. When he scored a bunch of goals and a bunch of points with Washington, because he was so bad defensively, it sort of countered his offensive numbers. I think Carlson's better defensively than that. But if he's just a scorer, that's not just solely enough for him to be a Norris candidate. He's going to have to show that he's more as just as much of, of a two-way defenseman as as you know some of these other well, guys. Well, you don't have to be a complete two-way defenseman. Because, no. you know, that that's that's a misnomer too. That's we know that that doesn't have to be the case. But as an example, and this is why he was high in my voting last year. Last year he had 13 goals, 70 points, and he had um 164 blocks. That 164 blocks was one of the, the high numbers in the league. So, and he had 54 hits, a lot more than usual. Already this year, in 11 games, he has 21 blocks mm. and six hits. So, clearly, he is doing a lot more than just that. Now, uh, the final game here, the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Chicago Blackhawks 2-1 to in a shootout. Um, the only goal from the Blackhawks comes from third overall pick Kirby Dotch. Um now, Russ, the Blackhawks are not playing well right now out of the gate uh, after a lot of changes in the offseason. They sign Leonard. They trade for Mata. They trade for DeHaan. They tried to solidify their defense. It's shocking to me, Mike. Shocking. 
<laughs> I can hear the dismay in your voice. I mean, I'm just saying, so it's 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 like it's catching me, blindsiding me, really. But you, I know that you know you're you're obviously being facetious here. You're you're essentially saying you're not shocked by this and that this team's in trouble. They are. They're a piecemeal team. I mean, they. I've watched their games. They've got guys playing certain roles. I don't know if Jeremy Colleton is is the right guy for this team simply because they really have to get the most out of their players. They can't, they're not going to, this, their cap situation doesn't improve next year either. No. So this is the same old thing next year too. Right now they're only a minus three on differential, which isn't bad, but to only have 19 goals for to actually have the fewest goals in the West that's a recipe for disaster, Mike. I mean, it's yeah. the only way around it. Yeah, and they 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 got to bring it signed to that three year bridge, so that was good to be proactive and get that done. But if you look, Strom, uh, Perlini, our RFAs. If Strom, and I I don't know how many points he's got right now. I'll have to look it up. But if he's having anything close to the type of year that he had last year, uh, he had an assist last night in in. Seven games, he's got four points. So right now he's off to a little bit of a slow start. But if he has another year like he did last year in the second half after getting traded from Arizona, you know, he's probably going to be a four and a half to five million dollar player on a bridge deal. And that's on top of Taves and Kane at at 10 5. Brandon six. Yeah. So Duncan Keith, two points. Jonathan Taves, two points, one goal. Uh Andrew Shaw, two goals, no assists. Even Gustafson, four points, and he was their answer last year. Uh, Dylan Strom has four and seven. That's pretty good. Debrinket is four. Saad has four. Nylander has four. Alex Nylander has four points. Yeah. He is their tied for their second leading scorer. Patrick Kane has eight. They are in deep trouble. Now, Kirby Doc did get his first NHL goal, so maybe that gives him a boost. We'll see. First game, you know, he, he was just settling in, so, you know, that could be something, but – I mean, you look at what they've got there. It's just not enough. Yeah. Nine forty-three save percentage in his in his three games. So he's been great. But you have to actually be able to score, and they can't score. Especially like last year, Taves started slow and then played really well in the second half. Is it getting to the point where you know because he's got a lot of wear on those tires? Oh, yeah. Is it the, at the point where he's not going to be able to put? up complete seasons playing the way that he plays that he can do it for stretches. The problem is he's making ten and a half million dollars and they can't and this is this is similar to what the what, what's going on in Toronto right now. If you're I, I think he peaked last year. I think what happened was and this happens in a lot of baseball players careers, you have a great run, then you start slowing down and then you really go crazy with your training and you have one more like really great year. And he, he had a great year, 81 points. Mm-hmm. He is nowhere near 81 points. I can't even imagine him getting 70 points this year. So I think now father time is just mileage-wise catching up with him. It doesn't matter that he's 31. It just doesn't. No, that's an old 31. But what I was saying, what I was saying was, is that he's the type of guy that I mean, especially with a lot of these teams. And like I was saying with Toronto, if you're paying a guy 10 million dollars, then he's got to play. Like he's worth ten million dollars, and if he right. if he does not play that way, then you're in deep trouble. Um, okay, so a couple couple. Yeah, I got to I got to tell you this. Go People should go to um, Jimmy Doc has a uh, a Twitter account, and he's like so proud of my grandson on scoring his first NHL goal, and his grandson is like a foot and a half taller than him. I just retweeted it so people can find it. It's a great picture though. But that's it's it's nice because it just it makes you laugh, but it's also like, hey, cool. That's you know that's a really nice family moment. But yeah, yeah I'm sorry, Hawks fans. It's just you're going to be one of the worst teams in the West this year. Uh, okay, couple couple notes here, and then we'll take some questions. Um, yeah, there was so there was a trade yesterday, a minor trade. Uh, Anti Sorella, the former Ranger draft pick, who was traded to Carolina, then yeah. then traded to Chicago. In the in the deal uh, involving Calvin DeHaan, now was traded to Florida for defenseman Ian McCashin. Seems like it's a minor transaction. So well, Ian McCashin 
does have some promise. I don't know what his foot speed is right now because I haven't seen him this year, but he can play some defense. And I do think Sorella at some point is going to produce at the NHL level. I do. So I think this is actually a good swap. I think this could help both teams actually. But it's, it's weird that this guy we've, and we've heard, and I saw him play last year in the Calder cup uh, uh, conference final. They played pretty well. Um, it's his fourth team. Doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes look at go look at Marcia. So, how many teams was he with until it clicked? Yeah, you know, kind of reminds me of him. Rangers, Tampa, Florida, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of him. And and McCaution, gotta remember, Mark Stewart is in charge of scouting uh, in Chicago. He likes his college players, and he was a really good player. He was in the U.S. system. So let let's see what Ian McCaution can do. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him. Okay. Um, all right, a couple couple things. Um, we saw the ugly injury to Mika Rantanen on Monday. Um, there was supposed to be an update at some point today. Uh, it, it looks as if it was a high ankle sprain and not a broken bone, but they're expecting that he will be out week to week. Um, we haven't seen the update yet, but that's the the, the generally accepted. It's happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's you know, and the thing like we said yesterday. High ankle sprains in some instances are worse than broken bones because with broken bones, as soon as the bone is set and healed, it's up then 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 it's you know you can basically start from scratch. Whereas high ankle sprains, you know, it's as traumatic, and sometimes you don't get get it back in terms of your ability to skate or whatever for the remainder of the year. So that would be a loss for Colorado if Rantanen comes back after, say, two months and is not the, close to being the player that he normally is. Um, the other note, and then we'll take some questions, um, Roman Yossi, and there's some speculation regarding his negotiations with Nashville. Um, I believe it was Pierre Lebrun on TSN Insider Trading yesterday that said Yossi and his, his representatives – uh, want him to be the third highest paid defenseman in the NHL behind Eric Carlson. He's looking for a payday, man. Yeah, and Drew Doughty. That means more than 11, the, less than 11, but probably more than P.K. Subban's nine. Oh, and no, he's got to get more than nine. Yeah, he's probably probably going to be in the 9.75 to 10 range. And I believe what LeBron said was they're not there yet, meaning that Nashville is not. Well, because cap-wise, where are they at? Can well, you they would have, they would have to find somebody to take Kyle Turris's contract off their hands because he's got five more years at six million and he's not that player anymore. But good luck with that. Yeah, this is going to be tough for them if they are able to re-sign him. They're going to have to make changes like this. I'm telling you, I could see this going right through the summer, and he talks to other teams and goes back with that last offer to Nashville. I could see it working out that way. Right. All right, we'll take some questions here before we end the show. Uh, Stuttering Guitarist asks, does Pugliarvi get traded before December 1st, Russ? Why December 1st? What is that date? December 1st is because he's an RFA, and if he doesn't ah. sign by December 1, he can't resign. Uh, he can resign, but he can't play in the NHL until next year. Right. Uh, yeah, I think they probably will. I mean, he's playing better there. I see that he's scoring goals. So the more goals he scores there, the better chance Holland has of trading him. You know that there's going to be some um, resolution to this when you hear that Edmonton basically come out is coming out and saying, "Oh, maybe it would be better for him to stay over there for a year." You know, like that. Right. No, nobody thinks that they don't. No. Yeah, you know, nobody. Not at this point. At when they're early in their career, yes. Pugliarvi wants to be traded. And I think the Oilers know that he will never play up to their expectations for him, but they want to get value for him. And the, right. the other team supposedly that's interested in him, interested in him is Carolina, and that would make a lot of sense because they have a lot of lot of fins, you know, Aho yeah. and Teravainen, and um, and th that probably would be a more comfortable situation for him. But um, you know, what would a Carolina give up? Would they give up a Jake Bean or a uh, Hayden Fleury or some defenseman that would help out Edmonton. I, I don't know. I mean, if I was – I just hope he's a cat lover because while all these NHL teams are having dogs or dog mascots, the Canes had cats at there. Or, I'm not sure if it was cats or kittens. I didn't get to see the full report at one of their practices. So 
that, does that mean they're going to like dunk the cat or throw it into a net or no? Dunk? Only Michael Jello would think about that. No, they're going to pet the cats. Well, no, they're going to include it in their stupid post game uh, thing. No, they're not. You would scare a cat that way. Uh, Funky Cold Zadina asks, uh, "Are you guys watching Survivor for Tom Laidlaw? He's still there." Uh, I've I like to say I'm watching it for Laidlaw because I really love the guy. I'm not. <laughs> I've never watched Survivor, and I like Tom, and I hope he and I hope he wins. But just to watch him, I wouldn't watch it for anybody. Right. I just at this point, I'm not watching it for anybody, but I do love Laidlaw. Hope that he wins, and if he does win, I'll see the highlights. Yeah. Uh, Funky Cold Zadina. I've never taken a question from him. Uh, what do you guys think of Craig Button's comments about the Leafs not being a Cup contender, Russ? I think he's right on the money right now. How could you call him a cup contender? I, I right. mean, there's things that are missing. They have to get past Boston or Tampa to probably get to the cup. Those are right now at this moment. I and mean, that's all he's talking about is at this moment. Those are big obstacles. Well, I, I was listening uh, on my way home. I was listening to him on TSN radio. And mm -hmm. basically what he said was they haven't, they've been an average team for the last 56 games, which probably equates to when they signed Neilander at December 1st, because they were right. tops in the league at that point or close to it. And they were a 500 team after that point, not to say that the Neilander signing made it so, but they, you know, but, and now they're basically of the Babcock message. That's what it is. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's funny. Cause like I said, uh, I get the feeling that this team for most of the time that Babcock has been here, the team has not been constructive in a way that Babcock wants his teams to be constructed. And when you, you know, when you give a, when you are, when you give a chef, the ingredients to make a meal, it's got to be the right ingredients or the meal is going to taste like crap. And that's the problem is that Babcock wants, you know, heavy, tough players and Lou Lamorello didn't give it to him. And now Kyle Dubas has his own vision and they're the general managers. That's, that's their prerogative, but you would, but you would think that they could, you know, and that's the thing is like, we always knew that there was going to be a little bit of a power struggle between Babcock and whatever general manager there was because Babcock likes to play the game and likes the game to be played a certain way. And if, their vision doesn't jive with that, then it's not going to end up well. And right now they're struggling, but I also think that their struggles right now have to do with the roster being changed over by one third and everybody not being on the page. So I think we'll get a more accurate indicator of, I think what's it's wearing down to the Babcock message. I really do. You think they're just getting, they're tuning it out at this moment. Now it doesn't mean it won't change, but right now it does seem that way. Um, okay, Mark Elias, uh, Elias uh, asks, uh, do you think Pasternak can get to 90 to 100 points? He looks so good. Yes, I, I think he can get If Marshan got there last year, I think Pasternak can too. Yeah, no, I definitely think he can. And that line, honestly, I haven't seen a team that can control them. I, I saw him as a very young player come into Philly and do well. Um, I, I want to say he had one year in the AHL, right, Pasternak? I think he had one year and then they called him up mid-season, yeah. 20 games, something like that. And I knew then, I was like, man, this guy is just so good. Yeah. No, no, I, I think you're right. And he, remember, he was a 21st pick overall. Yeah, great pick. He was picked, he was picked after Reinhardt, after yeah. Ackbrad, after Ehlers and Nylander and uh, Nick Ritchie. Yeah. You know, he was in the bottom third of the first round. Just think he was that. the steal of that draft, probably. Yep. Uh, Steve James asks, Mike Russ, with Hyman and Dermott coming back, the Leafs will be better. But what piece do you think the team is missing? Who is a player in the league you'd make a trade for? Well, okay, okay. Again, the problem is is that it's money in, money out. Right. This they got to get somebody on an expiring deal. That's obvious. Well, yeah, but the problem is they have to trade the cap, trade to open up the cap space to be able to fit. If it's a say, say it's a five million dollar player, whoever it is, right? It's a five million dollar player, and the other team needs fifty percent. Okay, so that's two point five million dollars. You've got a clear two and a half million in cap space. Where, if you're twenty one players, 
which they're going to be when Hyman and Dermott comes back. They've got to open up 2.5 million on that 20 man, 21 man roster to be able to afford this player who they're getting at 50%. That means you keep, I mean, you have to have 20 players in the league. You'd have to cut the one extra player or trade somebody who's already existing off your roster. So where it's going to be, yeah. you know, if you, if you're open to trading Nylander, that opens the, yeah, that trade. Not trading and, and right, exactly. So I don't know where you're talking about. You know, the They're not getting a big player. They can't. Right. And if it's not a big player, then it's not an impactful player. Well, you don't know that. I, I, I'm not going to say that. Like what if, as an example, they decided, you know what? We don't want to play Marincin anymore. We'll trade for Robert, Robert Hag from the Flyers. He doesn't make a lot of money. That could be impactful just improving your, your defensive structure. So that's what it's going to be. It'll be something like that or a fourth liner. I don't think it'll be anything else. Okay. Um, El Guapo asks, I love that name. Uh, what have you heard about the Hosang trade rumors? Zero. Yeah. The last thing I heard, I think it was Drager reported yesterday that Lou is working on it. <laughs> that's all we've heard. And that was lunch, but it's totally unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's working on his lunch or is it? No, no, uh, my lunch. No. <laughs> oh, your lunch. No, I have a roast beef sub with mayo, with horseradish mayo and green apples. No. Um, okay. I meant the car. Uh, anyway. Dean Youngblood asks, Mike, do you, do you just watch Pawn Stars? I've never watched Pawn Stars in my life. Really? Not even one episode? Not even once. Not even once I've watched wow. it. Not once. Yeah, I, I watch diners drive. I watch diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh, occasionally, I'll watch the the show Flip and Flop or Flip or Flop. I've never watched that. Okay, it, it's a, it basically somebody when they when they uh, they they buy a crappy house and they redo oh. it, and it's the it, it's the guy and the wife, and they're on a divorce, but they still oh, do the show. Okay, yeah, I've seen clips of that. Okay. Yes, and um, yes, you know, I I won't I won't go into her personal life, but I heard some stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Well, one or one or two more. Um, I don't know. The Thomas Boyle Islanders only option with Hosang is to place him on unconditional no, waiver. No, nah. why, why would you say that? That's just dumb. He has value. Come he on. Has value. Uh, let's see. Bab Babs needs Hyman back from Funky Cold Zadina. Uh, yeah, they did. They but the, here's the here's the thing. You're not going to get the Zach Hyman that was there before. The knee injury. It's an ACL tear. It's going to take him a while to get back up to that level. So he can get back to that level. We don't know, right? And and remember the type of game that he plays. Plays along the wall. He plays a rough and tumble game. He's annoying. You know his his ability to to make turns and things of that nature are going to be affected by that injury. So don't do not rush him back. Um, For uh, Balmy Frank asked, when will Lindy Ruff get fired from de-coaching of the Rangers, Russ? Uh, I think he's going to ride out the year. I would hope that he won't be there next year in that position. If Lindy wants to, you know, be a, an advisor and do something else, great. But as far as coaching on the ice with defense, no. Here's our here's here's uh, my nominee for most overrated Buffalo food. Uh, NASCAR 427 says beef on whack. That is the most overrated Buffalo food. Uh, it's a roast beef sandwich with horseradish on a Kimmelwick roll, which is a roll with uh, uh, caraway seeds and and salt on the outside of it. It's I don't totally, like but salt yeah, I do. It's it's totally overrated. I don't understand why, you know, like it, it's some sort of I don't delicate. Even, what I don't understand is, if you already have a salty meat, why are you having salt on the roll? Right, exactly. It's I find I find it too salty, and I hate horseradish. I do want to tell you that, and this is in motion as we speak. I've already given a report to my pizza analytics department, and they're putting together a report. I did it on four types of frozen pizza. I started with frozen because everybody buys frozen pizza once in a while. If you don't. You're a liar. If you say you don't, you're a liar. Okay, I okay. I'll, I'll give my I'll give my I'll give my the thoughts on two of them. Uh, DiGiorno is the most overrated 
frozen pizza out and there. not even omelet. But I only did four. I could do more later. Right. It tastes like it tastes like cardboard. The the sauce has no flavor to whatsoever. And even if you put your own toppings on top of what they have, it's uneatable. Now the funny thing before, is, I get it. Right. I'm just yeah. I know it's in it. I know that Russ. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making a point using bad. I'm, ta I'm talking. I'm talking to the folks out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> you dumped it down for them. Got it. <laughs> you misunderestimate me. Um, no, the, <laughs> the other, the other one, and it's probably the cheapest one, which is Tony's. Uh, they're like the little personal pizzas. They're like you buy them for like right. a, 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 Celeste. Excuse me, Celeste. Oh, Celeste. Okay. They're the small pizzas that are like a dollar twenty-five. The the sauce is a little better, and you can do anything with them. It's like you put them in the oven, you put like yeah. mushroom whatever on top of them, and you can make it into your own pie. It's like it's moldable. I haven't but, had a select one in a very long time, so I'll I'll reveal on this show the four that are in it. The first one is Belgley Farms, and I only do cheese pizza, just cheese. That's it. Now it could be a, a million cheeses but only cheese pizza because I feel like otherwise it gets too hard to, to judge. So um, Wellesley pizza is, it's BJ's. Um, uh, what is it? They're in it's, store. It's, I forget their back name, but you know what I'm talking about. They, um, yes. That's their store brand. That's in the, that's in the running. Uh, Elio's the, the, the square slices. Okay. That's in the running. Freshetta. That has the rising crust. Yeah, I've had that once. Not impressive. Running. And Archer Farms, who is Target's own brand, they do a wood fire, and that's in the running. Yes, don't, inc don't include Walmart's store brand. I, I don't even go into Walmart, man. But I didn't include, like, Del Giorno or Tombstone. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't include, like, Del Giorno or Tombstone or Celeste. But I will have people let me know what they think I should try to unseat the four that I like. And I do rate them all. And, you know, so that'll be coming up. And last but not least, Funky Holes. The places, obviously. And Funky cities, Holes. all that fun stuff. Sorry. Funky Holes Adina says, are you guys ready for the annual pumpkin spice craze? Where have you been, Funky? We've been talking about this for a month. A month. And Russ hates it. <laughs> What was that? What was that? Not telling. Okay. All it's right. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.